Welcome one, welcome all to Prime Up Submissions live for Sunday the 16th of July, the day on which J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye was first published, and also Guinea Pink Appreciation Day. Both of which pale into inconsequentiality when set against our two wondrous guests today. First up is the non-fiction national best-selling author, welcome back, Will Pearson! How do you do? Hi. <laughs> and it's the ever popular Andy Dickinson. Oh, yes, plus an incandescently genius room and four pristine submissions. What are we waiting for, guys? Let's go on with it. And submission number one comes from Rajat. QR code there. If you want to see Rajat's website. It's a literary thriller. I think that's a good start to the show, don't you? A literary thriller? It's called Azalea Heights, and this is Rajat's blurb. 22 students at Winston Elementary School are being held hostage. The gunmen are demanding the release of ISIS leaders held in Iraq. A rescue attempt by the FBI runs the risk of the children getting killed. Altaf Khan, a prominent community leader, may be able to help them infiltrate the terrorists' network. However, his son, Zayn, is one of the captains. Mm. Let me tell you about Rajat. Rajat says, I work for the World Bank as a lead financial management specialist. My first novel, The Jasmine Bloom, was published in 2017. Azalea Heights... I like that title, actually. Azalea Heights is my second novel. I've lived in India, Indonesia and the USA. And who best to give um, a literary thriller a rousing beginning than a reading from Johnny? Azalea Heights by Rajat Read by John Chapter 1 As Nana woke up, she didn't know where she was. The bare eggshell white walls of the room, the unadorned windows through which the sunlight streamed in, and the naked mattress on the floor were all unfamiliar. Then it all came back, and a weight slowly settled in the middle of her chest. The divorce process concluded the week before, a bloodless, tame affair, free of rambunctious arguments over who would get what. No heated arguments over who caused whom the most damage and how. Mutual consent, irreconcilable differences the bad odour of unfaithfulness buried under the artificial fragrance of peace, and the iceberg of their conflict concealed from the world, and from Jason, their six-year-old son. Though Nina had the first right to the house in Arlington, she opted to leave. Too many memories to deal with. Bran was all she knew. Two years of dating, eight of marriage, almost one-third of her thirty-two years. She walked to the window and stood on the rectangle of light of sun reflected onto the carpet. Not much of a view. Just the house across the street, and partial views of the houses to the left and right. All mirror images of their own home. Identical squares of lawn in front with identical flower beds. A young maple and a magnolia to the left of each house. It was a brand new community. A brand new house for a brand new life. The house in front was yet unoccupied. Susan, the pinched-faced saleswoman from Classic Homes, had told Nina it was sold, and the owners would be moving in within a week. The sun-warmed carpet felt pleasant on her feet. Nina glanced at her bare legs. Golden brown, Brian used to say. Nina's skin tone, which her mother had always found a shade too dark, was what Brian loved about her most. 
That and her long straight hair and dark eyes, Halle Berry meets Ashwarya Rai. When their limbs intertwined, white and brown, Nena found it amazingly erotic. It was like doing something forbidden, taboo, against everything her mother had said. She shut her eyes. It would take a long time to squeeze Brian out of her. Nina climbed down the stairs, one hand on the smooth wooden banister. She heard the familiar clinking of a spoon moving inside a cup, ending with two firm taps on the rim. Mum was drinking her tea, sitting on one of the two bar stools in the kitchen. The only furniture in the house among a sea of cardboard boxes. The sweet aroma of cardamom made Nina wonder how Mum had zeroed in on the right box to find all the ingredients. Mum sipped from the mug that was exclusively hers, white with red lines running horizontally around the top and bottom and big black letters between them that said, MINE. Nina's dad's matching mug said, YOURS, was still intact but not in use. Strange how things outlasted people. Things that hold memories. In August it would be three years since he had passed. Three years her mother was living with Brian and her. Me now. I have to get into the habit of thinking in singular. Mum smiled when their eyes met. It was similar to the smile Nana reserved for Jason. A mother's smile. The smile that says, I'm happy to see you. Your presence is a joy to me. Despite Mum's 60-something years, her face glowed softly. Her diamond nose pin sparkled in the morning sun. Breakfast, Amma? Nana asked. Later. It's Saturday. We'll all have it together. Jason, you and I. Saturday? Jason? Mum was having one of her increasingly rare good days. Alzheimer's set in the year before Dad went but the degeneration after his death was swift. The incidents of mum's metamorphosis into her childhood and losing memory of her marriage, children and particularly grandchildren were frequent. The opening bars of Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud suddenly rang out through an empty house. For a moment, Nina was bewildered. Then she saw her phone singing the song, Jason's Fiddling from Yesterday. And let's go straight to the genius room. They are, well... Geniuses, basically. Very, very busy. Lex says, oh, that's a crushing first line on the blurb. Um, Matt says, strong premise. Blurb straightforward and works. Yeah, it's, it's simple, isn't it? But what's wrong with that? Um, gripping blurb, says Eva, and good title. Uh, LA Thomas says, title doesn't match uh, the blurb. Uh, PJ, nice blurb. Stakes are well set. Remembering that awful case in Russia. Oh, yeah, some years back. Uh, LA Thomas, blurb good. Um, Carol says, blurb story definitely has makings of a good thriller it absolutely does doesn't it and jan says i like the title i like the title fond of location titles blurb has me so i think everyone is uh, is looking quite optimistic at the beginning the title and the blurb um vagabond says sounds good but i wonder how many books i've read now start with someone waking up yes they do <laughs> it's a cliche Come on. Uh, Sarah says, opening of the waking up scene. Yeah, I, I thought the genius room would pick on it, and they are. Sarah says, opening with a waking up scene can be a little pedestrian. And James says, if a thriller, you might want to open with some thrilling action. There's an idea. Matt says, the premise, uh, though, is almost nostalgic, isn't it? Um, current norm is everyone gets shot right away. Yeah. Um, Eva's not terribly happy about the opening. She doesn't say why. We'd like to know. Um, David, David Guire says, nice description of divorce, but it's a bit of a dull opening. And Arbonette says, there's a lot of repetition of the word house. This could do with an edit as it's pulled me out. And Carol Emma says, first paragraph has no punch and isn't unique enough. It's a cliche. Doesn't grab readers. We're going to stop at that point. We're going to hear from Andy. 
Um, yeah, I guess I'd echo a lot of what the Genius Room is saying. Um, um, as far as the blurb's concerned, and I might have got this wrong, but I thought it said that the terrorists wanted ISIS leaders released from Iraq or something like that. That's and I'm right. not quite sure if that is timely. Yeah. And if so, I'm not sure how long it would last, um, considering that, you know, I mean, I'm not quite sure we do have ISIS leaders arrested in Iraq. But anyway, moving on from there, um, look, your first line, I, I used to work in newspapers, and one day I had a sub-editor come and sit next to me, and she pointed out very politely that I did a lot of sentences the wrong way around. And to my mind, your opening sentence is the wrong way around. As Nana woke up, she didn't know where she was. I think that should be Nina didn't know where she was when she woke up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that jarred with me from the off. And yes, I agree with what the Genius Room is saying as far as it being a little bit pedestrian. I think you've got some good description. I think some of your writing is good. But in one sentence, I, you, you said bad odour, artificial fragrance, and iceberg of conflict. And in my mind, one of them is great. But three of them is just too much. Um, you know, so I just I cut down. They're, they're, they're good descriptions. They, they, they're pithy. Uh, and we like them. But too much just slows everything down. You've got a lot of backstory here. You've got a lot of description. And I think, as the genius said, we, we really would like a bit more action. Stuff like like you've, you've, you've spoken about like the, the, the mum's mug being exclusively hers. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. It tells us a lot. But then you tell us what the mug looks like. And in my mind, I don't need to know what yeah. the mug looks like. I need to know it's exclusively the mums. Yeah. Uh, but I love the description of the smile. That was great. That was that was really it's that special smile between mother and daughter. Brilliant. And then we, when you when you bring in the Alzheimer's, that adds extra pathos to that line as well. Mm. And I like the idea of like, you know Jason, her son, filling with the phone and giving it a uh, a new ring tone again that that sort that says a lot and quite economically so i think yeah. as you're getting you're going on things are getting better but yeah i, I just agree with the the genius room is not the greatest start yeah okay uh just picking it up again from the genius room because they're nothing not prolific uh johnny johnny on narrator of course says he was well handled but a bit generic um obviously it develops going by the bird vagabond says this is very competent writing but it isn't pulling me in or making me care and matt says good writing however the opening isn't thrilling as thrillish should thrill and claire says some lovely descriptions but adjectives perhaps overdone and vagabond says i don't have a reason to care about this person's whole life story yet. And L.A. Thomas says, Brian sounds shallow if the thing he loves about her most is her legs. Some of us are shallow. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Will? Yeah, I think I, I'm bound to echo a lot of what's been said already by people like Matt Sko in the Genius Room. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, the, premise, the premise sounds great. We've got a thriller here with, um, you know, great setup in the blurb and the uh we get to the um the 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 the, the read and I, I want to be i want to be right in the action i want to be in the the hijack or the whatever it is that's going on that, that these terrorists have done let's start there let's mm. not start in a domestic scene let's not start with getting up let's not start with having tea you know i want <laughs> Uh, Raiders of the Lost Star. I want, I want the big boulder rolling down the the tunnel at me. Yes. If I'm if I'm going to pick up a thriller and buy buy it for seven ninety nine or whatever. Yes. 
Well, those were the days when you could get thrillers for seven ninety nine. Of course, um, so many, so many more. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, let's just see. So, Will, um, you got your voting page up there. Do do yeah. your voting. We'll come come back in a minute just to make sure that's working nicely. Matt says wrong place to start. I think the thriller reader is putting this down, which is actually just what Will said um, after picking it up because of the blurb. And Eva says, "Do we really want to know about all this domesticity?" So that's what Eva was saying earlier. Dave McGuire says, "Bit le less exposition, please. The details and numbers of years doesn't feel like it's in Nana's head." Pamela Joe says, okay, this is officially bogged down now. Charlie Jewell says, strong writing, waiting for something to happen. Ah, oh, Burnett, does it have enough drama? Jan says, like the writing, I'm cool with the slow entry because we know the thrill is coming. Yeah, but do we? Do we? Um, but maybe a taste of tension would pull us in. And Vagabond says, 700 words of not enough happening. Sorry, you can write, but this isn't the right start. How often do we say that? We say that quite a lot. I think the thing is that I I think, Rajat, that, you know, you, you're calling it a thriller. You call it a literary thriller. A literary thriller. It gives you a little wriggle room, but I'm going to pin you down on that. If it's, as the genius room is saying, if it's a thriller, it's got a thrill. And I, what I want from you right away is whatever you're really good at writing. I've said this so many times, but it's, it's, it's true. Whatever you're really good at doing, what your, you know, your forte is, get it on the page right up front. That's your calling card. That's what people like me, agents and publishers are going to see and they're going to be impressed by. And they're going to go, oh, he, he's good. He can do that. So you, you can't afford to hang around. You've got to put that up front. Let's see. If Will has pressed his buttons, he has. Fantastic. So you've gone low on the commercial potential at the moment, Will, haven't you? Yeah. The bang. Yeah. Okay. The bang. And um, would you? Well, best advice you can give a Rajat on this is it what? Is start again in a different place or what? Start again in medias rest. Start in the middle of the action. Good hot action if you if you've got it, and then we can we can explore the characters and the backstory after you've hooked us. Fantastic. We need that hook. Good, good. All right, Roger, if you're on YouTube, give us a wave and give us, a, give us some feedback, please. And let me just remind you that after a slight hiatus, we are open again now for submissions. Go to subs.litopia.com because we had a backlog too to catch up on. You can do that. And what else can I tell you about, actually? Oh, I know. There's something new for you to have a look at here. Uh, a lot of writers are justifiably concerned, I think, about literary agents. What do they do? Do you need one? to get your book published and how should you go about getting one? Well, I've released a very short video that answers many of the questions that writers have about this very often con confusing subject. And it's all yours for free on YouTube right now. But we would appreciate a like, that'd be very nice. And a subscribe would be even better. straight on with submission number two there's another interesting title voluptuaries voluptuaries do you like that title i like it do you like it it's the l word again it's literary fiction it's from robert this is robert's blurb rachel preston a university student and aspiring author is in a relationship with an older screenwriter enzo on a beach day in brighton Enzo's teenage daughter, Elena, charms Rachel with her hedonistic ideas, and the two girls start a love affair. 
Gripped at once by guilt and excitement, Rachel finds herself torn between her old life with Enzo, now feeling like a premature married life, and this new prospect of boundless pleasures with Elena, leading her to London's most scandalous club. <gasps> I wonder what that is. Is it Groucho's? I wonder. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Let me tell you what about you, Robert. I'm a non-binary writer, says Robert, living in Florence, Italy. How fabulous, except maybe for the temperatures at the moment. I hope you're okay. I consider London my home away from home. Both cities and the nuance make up for this novel's setting. Make up for this novel's settings. Make up for this novel's setting and character. I'm not sure that's completely intelligible, but anyway. What's more than intelligible, in fact, greatly to be wished, is this reading from Emily. Voluptuaries by Robert, read by Emily. We're dead, but we don't know it yet. It's three of us. One is dead in the head, living off the rest. One is dying to feel alive. But only one's heart will stop when we're done. The other two will learn to live. The two of us. The two of us are at the beach in Brighton, in the UK. Though no one is feeling the you. It's Britain, where the great seems inappropriate. Sun rays puncturing our bare legs. Eyes on the sea. The delusion of seeing France in the horizon. There are only wind turbines planted in the loneliness of the sea. Somehow relatable. There's a begrudging sign of optimism in assuming you're so farsighted. You'd have to get on a mountain to see the French land across the sea. I guess I tend to see myself as the mountain. If I didn't then, how could I be the hero of the story? Four others with us and they feel like 4,000 too many. You should hear their conversations. I mean it. Listen. We're burdened with too many problems, one of them says. Too much life behind us we haven't lived. Our generation starts the game with the full map unlocked. We know too much. Beware of being too aware. If only I could go back in time like to the 60s, I'd be much happier. I'd be a hippie, talking about the universe, living that carefree life without society bogging me down. How wonderful it must feel to connect with time. I was born in the wrong decade. To connect with time, another says, you must disconnect with the construct. Good way to do that. LSD. Don't you mean DMT? Another one asks. Either way, that's what they were doing back then, the other says. Then sniffles. In the 1960s. I've never done drugs, the first one says, but I'm open to it. It's life-changing, trust me. Like, the drugs will thank you for using them. The acid solicitor says. His voice compels me to look up. He's already staring at me when my eyes reach him. The sunlight creates an optical illusion whereby his head ends at his eyebrows. For a second, everyone expects me to say something, I think. I go back to the book. Small paperback from the sixties. How many drugs has this book seen? Somewhere along the Abbey Road we took for granted that everyone did drugs during those years. If they did, then the moon landing might have been a collective hallucination. I shake my head. I'm ashamed the thoughts have intruded mine. The man without a skull resumes talking once he sees my mind isn't on him. But Elena is still looking at me. I'm the particle that knows she's being observed. Unlike her friend though, she's looking for me, not for herself in my head. Can't hurt to exchange gazes. Her black hair is velvet in the sun, wet at the tips, clashing with the leathery white of her bathing suit. It's a curious look she's giving me, more prolonged glance than stare, 
and it tells me there's an understanding between us, the kind you can't fake or misread. We're the only ones sitting on beach towels, the only ones in bathing suits. The other four are standing and sweating in their clothes. Our physiognomies have already divided us before we could consciously do it. Their talk of the greatness of the past has landed them in Constantinople, current Istanbul. Or is it Istanbul? This is their big dilemma now. The man whose brain evaporated can swear it's Istanbul. But the clueless past romanticizer one is telling him he spends too much time on Instagram. So was it Constantinople or Constantinople? Everyone agrees on the latter. So then that first N migrated to Istanbul, he says. Roars of disagreement. No one is googling it because they like the challenge. Alina's eyes like a shinkansen between them and me. There's electricity here. An unsolicited rush of adrenaline runs through me. I could stand up and become a bullet train myself, run across this beach to the one in Okinawa and come back through America. I'm overflowing with energy. And again, we're going to go straight to the genius room and see what they're saying. Saying lots of things, actually. Gosh, where do we start? I think we start with James saying, sounds real, in capitals, real sexy. Uh, Hannah's not keen on the title. L.A. Thomas says, not sure what, make, what to make of the title, because uh, I don't know what it means. R. Burnett says, I wonder, with the title, whether it's easy to pronounce. That's a good, good point. It's not, actually. Uh, which might be both a good and a bad thing, depending. Title confuses me, says Sarah. Jan says, title makes me think of sexy dinosaurs. <laughs> Well, that's that's highly commercial, surely, isn't it? Uh, good blurb again, says Claire. Carol says, intriguing title hints at some ooh-la-la. And Lex has got some dialogue going on with himself as he is multidimensional. In any case, he said, not sure what that title is supposed to be. And then he answers himself, me neither. But it would make me pick the book up to look closer so it gets point. And he says, answering himself, fair enough. Phew. Matt says, if I was in a bookstore... I'm not sure I get the title enough to pick it up. And L.A. Thomas says two characters or names starting with E might confuse. That's a good point, actually. Devlin Wise says, I feel like I'd love this title for a different book. And Pamela Jo says, seems oddly set in Brighton. Boundless pleasure does not immediately come to mind. We can pick that up in a moment, actually. I think we will with, uh, yeah, with Andy. And Johnny says, I think a title that's hard to pronounce or understand is ambitious for a new writer. Um, and Matt says also, does literary fiction stand stand in for sexy fiction? <laughs> uh, good blurb, says Hannah. I'm intrigued. All right. Well, let's see if Will was intrigued. Uh, yes, I, I, I quite, I quite like it. I, I would like to have the names of the characters, not the first one, the second one. That seems very impersonal. And slightly off-putting. Mm. I don't mind the title Voluptuaries. It is a literary fiction, work of literary fiction. I don't think that's hard to pronounce, and I do think it's kind of sexy, mm -hmm. or could be. Um, and I like some elements of the writing. I would like the the connection between the two women to to maybe again to come up a bit higher, but you know. A bit sooner, but um, I'm not. You know, I'm quite. I quite like it. Quite like it. All right. Well, actually, yeah. coming from Will, that's yeah. that's praise indeed. In fact, let's cut back to the genius room, um, and 
Uh, Hannah says, good blurb. I'm blurb, blurb. <laughs> I'm intrigued. How old's a teenager? Is Rachel a groomer pedo? Says L.A. Thomas. Well, actually, yeah, I suppose one does have to think about these things now. Chandler Jill says, not a fan of the title. Blurb's clear. <clears throat> Great opening lines. I like the blurb, says Jan. Would pick it up. Um, Carol says, blurb presents an interesting story premise and a good hook. Sounds complicated and sexy. Um, and James says, what? Britain's not great. <laughs> so it's, it's a different discussion, isn't it, really? Uh, Sunday's pun, Turing are not British and also perhaps not the best choice of words. So I just don't get that. You see, this is why they're genii and I'm not. That clearly means something to the geniuses, but it doesn't mean anything to me. Um, Vagabond says the prose is better than the blurb led me to expect. I like that, that prose, actually. Eva says, I would have to look up the title. So can't be bothered um johnny says i'm a bit lost who's this character and pamela joe says sunrays puncturing ac has started editing again love ai i don't know what's going on there but they do arbonette says that it feels like there's too much distance in the narrative voice it is a bit distant doesn't it yeah not sure what's happening says james eva not drawn in sarah says i want names at this point and johnny says lost in the mist for me now Okay, um, right. What do you make of all this, uh, you near uh, Brighton resident, you? Literally, literally where? There we are, yes. Um, so, what's it? Oh, I'm, I'm sort of ambivalent on the title. Don't particularly love it, don't particularly hate it. Um, your blurb for me, yeah, look, I, I've lived in London, in Brighton for well, more years than I care to remember now. So, like, you know, a hedonistic lesbian love affair. It's kind of been done before um, in my mind. So it feels a little bit generic, I'm afraid. And your prose, oh my days. Um, I mean, look, you can write and you're intelligent. Um, but for me, this just screams indulgent. I'm sorry. Like, uh, you know, the, the opening to a paragraph where you're thinking about taking the U out of the K or the K out of the U. Yeah, I get it. You know, post-Brexit, we're all a bit depressed. Absolutely. But I'm not quite sure the way you phrased it really works. And have we not just been here before? By the time you take, by the time you say, I guess I tend to see myself as the mountain. I, I'm sorry, I started snickering. It's just, it's just so lacking in sort of humility and mm. humour that that for me, you know, you're, I, I was born in the wrong decade. I'm just, I'm just, you're, you're making me feel cynical. I'm starting to yawn. I'm not oh, no. particularly enjoying it. Then you've got good lines. You've got, you've got good phraseology amongst it you've got some nice ideas the idea of an acid solicitor being you know the yeah. pimp who's trying to trying to sell you drugs is a nice bit of phrasing that idea in itself would be fun but it you know it, it's it's not in isolation because the prose itself is so hard to identify with and yeah. like as as people have already said you're not giving us character names you're not really showing us where we are if, if you really want to take me to Brighton Beach, just, just tell me we're on pebbles, because at least that'll give it some sense of, of you know, of um, authenticity. I appreciate the fact you're talking about the, the, the wind farm. Absolutely, yeah, we can talk about that. But this idea of seeing France and all that, it's like, oh, it's, yeah, you, it, by the time you've got to, like, describing the difference between Instagram and Constantinople, I'm just, I, I've given up, I'm sorry. Okay. It's clearly my, not your cup of tea. Head. Do we have no. a different? Do we have a difference of opinion? Uh, Will I mean? Do Do you think Andy's being excessively harsh here? Um, I'm, you know, I, I I get 
I know, I get his point, all of his points. Um, I, I just think I'd probably cut it a bit more slack if there's a bit less self-indulgence. I think that's a very good point. If you make the characters come off the pages as sooner, give them yeah. names, give us a tiny bit of description, even if she holds the glass up to the sunlight or anything like that, draws us in. Um, the stuff about Great Britain, you know, we're, we're already we're already scoring political points. Not sure about that in the opening page of a book. Uh, let's meet the characters. Let's get it again. But I, you know, overall, I thought there were signs that the voice could work here and might appeal to a certain type of reader. Okay. Yeah. Well, clearly, so not I would Andy. Re I would rewrite it. Not Andy. Not Andy, but, hey, no. That's a, that's a crying shame because he's, he's a Brightonian. He's, 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 yeah, I was well, just made to buy this. Yeah, the last doesn't word in that case, right? Yeah. The last word. That's, that's oh, awful. don't do that. Yeah, that's awful. Uh, Matt says the acid solicitor is either funny or quite scary. I think so. Stuart Kay says, will anything happen sometime soon? And Vagamond says something <laughs> that I totally agree with. This full stop has full stop voice. He does have voice. Um, but, you know, I mean, some people like the voice, others don't, clearly. Uh, Hannah says, before we travel into drug world and various conversations, <laughs> we first need to engage with the main characters or we don't care. That's good advice. Carol says, first line of paragraph is strong, intriguing, but is it meant to be literal, which nothing in the blurb suggested or figurative, but confusing. And Johnny says, interesting words, meaning not so much. Oh, so many good comments here. I, I wish I could summarise all of these comments. I can't. You're saying quite a lot of them on screen. Comment now deleted. That says, that's interesting. I wonder what that was. Gosh, that was from David McGuire. Um, okay, yes, okay. Well, I do see what you mean. Huge apologies, David says. I missed the Robert as non-binary writer and had wrongly ascribed this to a male author. I completely retract that comment. Fair enough. Okay, I understood. Uh, used to buy a bit from the Shroom God says Matt. I used to buy a bit from the Shroom God. Reminds me of the Acid Solicitor. And Johnny says, doffing a cap perhaps towards Joyce. Maybe. Maybe. Um, let's just see if we got the numbers in from you, Will. Oh, we have, yes. And we've got them in, I know, from Andy. So we've got some numbers. Overall 58. Which is interesting, actually. I think, I think Robert, you've got a variety of reactions there. I'm just going to write that down. I thought it was intelligent and witty, actually, but I might be in a minority on this panel. I thought it was intelligent and witty. And yes, as Vagabond says, there is a voice there, actually. Um, and we, we don't always hear a voice, actually, in terms of submissions, but, but there you go. Um, some you win, some you lose. I need to, need to ask Andy. So this is, this is about... Brighton as it was. Was he ever like that? Were we talking about way back in the 60s? I mean, you wouldn't remember that, of course. Well, no, thankfully. Um, <laughs> I know, I, I, in fairness, I think, you know, Brighton is a hedonistic city. I think everyone knows that. That's why everyone has their stag night here. Everyone has their hen party here. And obviously we have a massive, well, massive, a sizable LGBT population. Um, so, so, yeah, that, 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 that certainly exists. Um, mm. but I sort of feel that living here, you kind of get you kind of get over that after a while, and yeah. you think, well, that's sort of been done, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think where where um, James does Peter James does really well as he sort of exploits that in his books, 
and then you know he gets to the other side of Brighton to to be on that um he yeah. sort of uses that as a springboard doesn't he to hit to yeah. endless amounts of crime yeah so I'm going to put it on the spot now, because if you don't know this, nobody does uh, with your uh, you know, professional news-gathering background. What, what is the zeitgeist in, in Brighton these days? Is it hopeful? Is it despair? Do you have to take drugs to see France? I mean, what, what's going on? I think if you see, take drugs, you won't see France. Um, <laughs> well, so I think we are. I think we are sort of hopeful. I think, I think we're... I think, yeah, well, yeah, we're as hopeful as anyone's going to be right now, aren't we? If you look at things like, and, and you know, the, the, the wind farm, I'm pleased to point it out because I think that is hopeful. Ultimately, that wind farm housed about 350,000 homes in Sussex. And that is exactly the sort of thing we need to be doing if we're going to have a, a sustainable future. And certainly Brighton's ethos, you know, we do have quite a sustainable uh, ethos. Uh, we've got a fantastic football team. Let's not forget that. Oh, yeah. Let's not go um, on that now, please, please. You know, <laughs> but uh, but but yeah. So I, I still think as a city, it's got a lot going for it. But I guess you'd have to say it has become more and more middle class. Um, it is very expensive to live here, yeah. um, and it is you know mainly populated by young funky families, yeah. much like one could say. Yeah, just like you. And is it is there a community feeling now? Or is it just too big for that? I think there is. I mean, personally, I've got an amazing church. So my community here is, ironically, for being, you know, what is what's often called one of the most, like, you know, non-religious cities in yeah. the country. My, my community is very, very uh, church-based. But no, I think there are, there are, there is still a sense of community here. But I think, like everywhere, isolation is an issue um, post, you know, post-pandemic. I think yeah. one has to be aware of that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andy. We move on to <coughs> some measure number three. Here we are. Here's another title for your consideration and contemplation. Going, going, gone bad. Going, going, gone bad. <laughs> it's another thriller. It's a psychological thriller this time. It's from Jack. Are you around, Jack? Are you on YouTube? Give us a wave if you are. Jack Hanley. And this is Jack Spur, married with two children, 30-year-old Dana Colburn, presents herself to the outside world as a respectable homemaker. Yet, behind the Desrez facade, she is the amoral lover and confederate of a criminal mastermind who for years has exploited her exotic looks to draw wealthy and foolish men into their orbit. Hmm. I like that, actually. Yeah, sort of uh, Belgian sort of uh, stuff. Oh, but we're not finished yet. When they are well and truly entangled in Dana's web of seduction, the process of plundering their wealth begins. It's a format that's never failed to achieve results, but the latest victim proves to be less gullible than his predecessors, and a vicious sadist to boot. Well, he would be booting people, wouldn't he, if he was a sadist. In a reversal of roles, he turns on Dana, intent on inflicting life-changing retribution on her and her family. Wow. It's all happening today, isn't it? Uh, Jack Hanley. This is about Jack Hanley, written by Jack Hanley. It starts by saying Jack Hanley. Jack Hanley, writing wrongs. I've been here before. I think I remember. Uh, and I don't promise not to be here again. 
Thank you for the double negative. <laughs> In the meantime, <laughs> English, middle age, wife, kids, grandkids, age range two to five. Thank you, very specific. Fluent French speaker. University dropout, businessman, wanderer, man without a star, but not without a lodestar. Mm. That profile aside, I'm not a professional writer in the sense of writing full time, but I have had several books published over the years. All fiction, mostly crime stuff. I live by the sea in South Wales, travel a lot, especially within Europe, combining lotus eating. Can't say I like the taste. Lotus roots are nice, actually. Um, with research for my next book. When taking a break from writing and wandering, I run a small business which takes up too much of my time. Maybe one day I'll write a memoir about it. Meanwhile, novel writing is what cranks my engine. I'll be waiting on tent hooks for Peter and today's other critics in and outside the genius room to give it to me with both barrels. <laughs> All right, guys, you, you heard what Jack wants. All right, we can do that. Uh, not that 700 words is nearly enough, just saying. Today's offering is not an erotic thriller. Oh, actually, we've, we've had one or two, actually, so far. Um, in case anyone wonders. Right. Um, okay, well... They might wonder, because um, our narrator uh, today has got a fabulously erotic voice, as it just happens, because it's Jeff. Going, Going, Gone Bad by Jack. Read by Jeff. Alone and afraid. It was the day of her 30th birthday. A landmark in some ways, another coming of age. It had provoked negative thoughts, promptly questioned about where she was headed, why and with whom. Alone, yet the kids were no distance away in their bedroom. You could be alone in a room full of party animals if you chose to be. She was alone with her decision. Her fears were more complicated. The terms inside her head made her afraid. The fear that she would actually go through it this time, or not go through with it. The grandfather clock in the hall had chimed nine several minutes ago. The kids were sure to be asleep by now. Best to check, though. They mustn't be the ones to find her afterwards. She mounted the stairs. Their bedroom door was ajar to emit a sliver of light from the landing, a sop to Toby's phobias. She went in and stood beside his bed. He was eight, self-assertive, a bit of a rogue, unlike Terry, who was named as Toby's father the birth certificate. His mop of brown hair was an explosion against the pillow. She rested her hand on his forehead, conveying her love such as it was. She was not naturally maternal. Silent in her bare feet, she crossed the room to where nine-year-old Darren slept, the sleep of the sinless. Sparky, precocious, dark eyes, abundance of dark hair, willowy build, her mini-me daughter, same destiny? Christ, she hoped not. Tough as titanium, though. She should have been the boy. The births, a year apart, have been none events. She delivered them within an hour after her waters broke. Toby's painless arrival moved Terry to comments. You put them out like shilling peas. He had made her laugh. Most other memories were less fond. Regrets, yes. The Torah of those... Shame, resentment, self-disgust, name and negative emotion, she'd lived it. Still did. Her descent of the stairs was unhurried, reflective. As she reached the bottom, still uncommitted, the phone trilled. It was him, Nicky, as ever. 
Are you alone? Yes, darling, I'm alone. Terry's not there. I'm alone, she reaffirmed through her teeth, irritated at his insistence. Come on over, someone I want you to meet. Typical. He snapped his fingers and she was expected to jump. Once, many years ago, she had not merely jumped but pole vaulted to please him. Submissive in some ways, she had never refused him any request. I'm babysitting, she said, and killed the connection. He'd ring again, but to hell with him. For once, Nicholas Darcy could whistle for his slave and his lips would shout. The vacuum was kept in the hall closet, the hose hanging from a rack, selection of tools. She draped it over her shoulder. It was just long enough and should be a snug fit for the escort's tailpipe. If not, she wrapped the ends with duct tape. Through into the garage, the phone trilling anew as the door closed behind her. Her determination was hardening. The call from Darcy being the catalyst a reminder of how he had degraded her over the years, how he had brought her to contemplation of ending it. It was a pity about the kids. Terrible marriage, though. Bumble through in his kindly, haphazard manner. In some ways, he was quite domestic. More so than her. Who wasn't? The two-years-old escort sat there gleaming red, and it seemed to her disapproving. Ready, nevertheless, to provide one final service. Final as they come, Terry would be sure to set it afterwards. The hosepipe fitted as if made to measure. She fed the other end through the gap she left by lowering the rear offside window. It was a bit of a stretch as she had to wind up the window to clamp it in place. Now it was good to go and so was she. Inside the car it smelled of her perfume. Yves Saint Laurent opium. Another choice of Nicky's. She only ever wore it when she was working for him. And yet again we go to the ineffable genius stream. Desrez, says David Maguire. Desrez, is it? In, in 2023, Blurb needs trimming, says James Clergy. Says, how does Dane have time for all that? <laughs> I wonder how she does. Terrible title, says Vagabond. Sorry. Yeah, I was wondering if the title would get some flack in the house. Uh, Matt says, hell of a story in that blurb, but trim it a bit. Account says, sorry, this title does not work. Definitely not for a thriller. Uh, L.A. Thomas says, sorry, title not doing it for me. Doesn't sound like a thriller. And Matt says something pretty good, actually. Um, title is Gone Girl Meets Breaking Bad. That's a good concept. I like that concept a lot. Uh, I like the blurb, says Ali Thomas, but it's a bit long. Um, Hannah says, yeah, more of a synopsis than a blurb. Sarah says, while this blurb is long, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I, I, it's the, the concept, Sarah, isn't it? Title doesn't grab me, says John. I think you're getting the message now, actually. Um, Jack Vagabond says, oh, I'm so glad not. Another book where the woman's role is all about her looks and sexual availability. Yawn. Hmm. Not pulled in by the title, says Eva. Carol says, story described in blurb indicates potential, but needs some rewriting to sell it. While David, David McGuire says, I like that Jack's tried something different with the title, but I'm not sure it works. And um, R. Burnett says, Vagamon Heart, my thoughts entirely. Um, the blurb made me feel a bit uncomfortable. And Carol says, what's Des Rez? 
didn't he um, have a gig with uh, Lucille Ball? Or was that a different Des? I can't. I can't remember. Desi. Will. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I... Did, did it give you a headache, that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. Oh. I, I thought the concept had a lot of promise. I mean, it's yeah. it intriguing. The idea of this, uh, you know, this sexy femme fatale who's being used to uh, fleece men is, mm. has promise. And yeah. with, the, with the big criminal mastermind behind it, that's not a bad, that's high, pretty high concept and has a lot of legs if you wrote it that way. But instead, we are again into what feels like a completely different story. I mean, here's a woman with kids who's contemplating suicide and then yeah. starts to carry out, carry through it's on the act. It's a depressing beginning, isn't it, really? Uh, it's a very down mm. beginning. I mean, I, if you, I, the blurb drew me in to a large extent, you yeah. know, but then it doesn't deliver. Why, what I wanted to do was meet, you know, Mr. Big, telling her the next mission, or she's, she's already in the middle of the next mission with the guy she's, she's currently taking to the cleaners, and let's see that. Let's get right in there. Um, again, I don't, I don't know why she's committing suicide. I mean, but no. that, that's what, that's what the, the blurb and the extract, the, the blurb suggested to me, and that was where I was hoping it would go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree about the title. It's not great. I would try and come up with another one. Pronto, pronto. Um, yeah, let me vote. Thank you very much, Will. Much appreciated, and Matt. Um, and the genius room is saying, uh, Will is nailing it. There you are, Will. You've been re reviewed. Matt's reviewed you, and you are nailing it. <laughs> Elliot Thomas says, Peter's idea of a neurotic voice is different from mine. I just offer it to you for consideration, okay? I don't listen to Jeff every night. Some nights. Um, <laughs> David McGuire says, Whoa, that's a twist. Uh, Ellie Thomas says, I wonder if this might be better in first person. It might be. Not an exciting opening, says Claire. Get on with it, says David. Vagabond says, Another life story opening. Not great. Carol says, quite long on this opening paragraph, alludes to negative status and critical life questions, but is so general as to have no story impact. Yeah, we don't really care at this stage, do we? Needs more specificity or a new first paragraph. And why alone? Why afraid? Words have no impact because not yet related to anything or anyone meaningful. That's very insightful. Thank you very much, Carol. Matt says, opening is a stroll through a suburb, a thriller is a race through hell. <laughs> Nicely put. Nicely put. Matt's on fire. Um... He also says, incidentally, apropos our discussion of Brighton, uh, Matt says, Brighton is hedonistic. I live in Berlin. Well, it's Berlin on sea, really, isn't it, Brighton? Pamela J says, the only thing that's interested me is the line about they, sh they shouldn't be the ones to find me after. But even then, it wasn't in a good way, maybe. Um, is it babysitting if it's your own children? No, she, she's making that up, isn't she? L.A. Thomas says, start with a phone call, maybe. Uh, too much set up for me. And R. Burnett says, too much passive voice was slash were repeatedly drags the narrative down. Andy. So uh, I like this. And I think it's probably because of Jeff's fabulously erotic voice. All right. Because, you know. I'm not the only one then. Once he gets going, Peter. Yes. <laughs> the only way is up, isn't it, frankly? Um, look, I really like the title. Um, and the way I viewed it, it, this, it sort of came across as like a pulpy throwback, like soft porn thriller from the 90s. 
which is which is what I would bet. Is that a good thing? Uh, well, then, you know, I'm not going to answer that. Um, I think I think he said himself, didn't he, in his old biog, it's not an erotic thriller. Wink, wink. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think and I think that sort of sense of like knowingness made me sort of like have sympathy for it. I, th- I thought the the repetition of alone, the, the first two times was quite nice. It chimed quite nicely with the idea of the kids in their bedroom. So that yeah. I, and I, and for me and I know I'm in maybe a very contrary mood, but but that that gave me a reason to like or have sympathy for your main character. Yeah. So so from there I was actually sort of involved. When the, the the hints of suicide were coming across nicely, but I did think to myself, it'd be lovely if you then twisted this on its head, and she wasn't thinking about suicide; she was thinking about something else. Like you were playing with that concept, you know that mm. that that, that, we, that we know so well. That would have been but, smart. But never, nevertheless, when you when she went into the bedroom and she was talking to the kids. You know, I knew compared to the last one particularly, I knew where we was. I knew what sort of genre this was. The writing wasn't bad, I thought, for that sort of genre. Um, there was too much backstory. You know, the, the birth, well, by the time you got to telling me about the births, I was like, this is a bit too much backstory. But then when it said sort of, and you know, with, with Jeff's fabulously erotic voice, um, he made her laugh in that sort of really like poignantly sad look out uh, when things have gone sort of way again i kind of liked it this has to be set in the 80s surely if you're talking about uh, an escort in the garage um yeah but I, but I like that yeah. position. ultimately i think what, what really got me about this was like you, the, the setup in the blurb was like i say quite quite very pulpy mm. very like sort of you know late night sexy but 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 the maternal instincts were sort of coming through and i like I got fooled by the juxtaposition of that. So I did, yeah, yeah. I cared whether she was going to offer herself for the escort. Okay, okay. That's, that's very interesting. That. I think you put your finger out there saying pulpy. It is, that's exactly what it, it is, and it should be. It's pulpy, mm. isn't it? Um, Vagabond says, nothing feels new here. People seem stereotypes. Pulp fiction. Hannah says, too much tell is slowing the action and emotional connection too much. James says, yeah, agree with everyone. Slow start, too much slogging me along. Eva says, my strike genre just not me. Um, David says, also, when you're con- contemplating suicide, one thing you don't think is it's a pity about the kids. Yeah, I, I just, I can't see that working. The, the suicide start as it, as it is at the moment, really. Unless it's given the sort of twist that uh, Andy just mentioned. Arben, it says, uh, far too much male gaze. It feels very 80s. It does, doesn't it, actually? Uh, not in the best way. Ali Thomas says, character not likable, so I didn't care about what she was going to do. <sighs> so many, so many more great comments. Uh, Matt says, Will is nailing it. Um, and Vagabond says, Jeff, mate, you've pulled. <laughs> and not for the first time probably not no uh claire says she felt like a contradictory unbelievable character to me okay so wow you got a wide range of reactions there jack um let's just let's just go back to i think will because he's the the old wise owl here so yeah, less of, less of the old, okay. Well, wise owl, yeah. <laughs> of a c- certain yeah, age, good. certain age, or I don't know. Um, 
What, what's Thank the best you. advice we can give to Jack here? Because there's something interesting there, and I think I think Andy put his finger on it. and said it's got it's got a pulpy feel. What's uh, mm. you know, he's a one yeah. pro writer to an aspiring writer. What what would you tell him to do next? I would tell him to write the story he promised us up front. I would tell him to get into the meat of the thriller, where you know she is pulling the marks strings, the victim strings. And I, I am missing the revenge element of the thriller. Mm. This is a straightforward pulp, as Andy says, a pulp, mm. very good word. A straightforward revenge thriller. The latest mark, the latest um, mug, is going to get his own back. That is completely missing there you go. There you go. from what we've seen so far. Yeah. And I am interested in that. Yeah. You know, it is, it is not reinventing the wheel, but yeah. it's not a bad uh, setup. And let's see that. Let's go there and see her in action, see her doing her stuff. And, and, or, you know, let's have the guy who's been done over angry about it and plotting his revenge or, or indeed taking revenge in action, you know, as an opening or, or starting to do that. Thank Something you, that really takes us to the heart of the, uh, yeah, the narrative. That's, that's brilliant advice, uh, Jack. You've got Goldblatt's advice there from a best-selling author. Uh, Matt says, a wise owl of a certain age is a decent title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it is, but not for this book. Uh, Pamela J says, I have it from the fellow who put up my owl box that they're dim. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm getting sidetracked again. Let's look at the numbers you got there, Jack. You got a 57. 57. Right, and I think... Uh, I need to vote. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, you haven't voted yet? Um, have you? No. Um, I think you have. No. Have I? Okay, good. You have, actually. You have. You didn't like... I have, I have. Yeah, you did vote. Yeah, you forgot. That's because you're a, vote, a yeah. wise owl of a certain age. <laughs> I, was, I was just busy. I was being out of... You know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think, I think it's time for my... Um, my blood sugar enhancement or something. No, well, no, I, my dedication. <laughs> I tell you what it is time for, Bring actually. It. It's, time to have a, it's time to have a look at this, right? This is, this is your website, Will. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. yes, That's so a younger version of the owl. Very interesting young author there. Um, I'm going to ask you a question you may find impossible to answer, but I'm going to press you on in any case. So got a nice range of very su successful books you've, you've authored there. Which is your favourite? That's a really good question. Um, uh, the most the most successful was Tornado Dow. And that, yeah. that really did well. The one I feel I like the most is is um, is Tried by Fire. Oh why? Because it's it, it, it has heart. It's about something that really, really matters. Not that, not that airmen getting shot down in the first Gulf War doesn't matter. It certainly mattered to them. But, you know, Tried by Fire is about uh, an Arab guy who was a founder member of the PFLP, big mate of Yasser Arafat, and an Israeli spy, a very good spy, and mm -hmm. both in their own ways at the top of their game. Both pitted head-to-head, -head, who tried to kill each other, mm -hmm. almost succeed, uh, and it's, it's, it's certainly when the Israeli sends um, the Israeli guy sends the uh, Basham Abu Sharif, as his name is, a booby-trapped book, which he opens and blows half his hand off. Wow. Uh, but they then become friends, and I like 
the arc that I think that is mm. you know pure story mm. and it's it's about the Middle East it's about an intractable an intractable uh, seemingly intractable situation that now now we see again going to bad and it, it, yeah. it, it, it has it has it has a thread of optimism is it in it from both of them both the Israeli guy and the um, Palestinian guy in as much as they both feel that there is there is hope there is possibility of peace mm. if we could only get to it find a way to get to it mm. so so tried by fire yeah fantastic in America Thank it was uh, in America it was called my enemy my friend by the way it had a complete yes. title Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, very, very good stuff. We have one more, one more, that's all, uh, book to look at, and this is it. That sounds, I'm sorry it's so small, it's just a, it's a long title, and the, uh, the font size changes. Lots of, lots of words there, lots of letters. Uh, full title, The El- Electropop. The Electropop Appreciation Society is science fiction. It's from Adrian. And this is Adrian's blurb. Robots, gangsters, tentacle monsters. Good to be Lex, couldn't he? The future just got weird. Someone's killing Frank Kincaid mm. in a world where death is no obstacle to the wealthy. He's learning the hard way the bullets and poverty don't mix. Kincaid is an ex-copper turned bounty hunter, and he has a growing list of problems. Trapped in the body of a child, he has a head full of altered memories, a severe case of self-loathing, and far too many enemies, all of them bigger than he is. Worse still, no one wants to serve him alcohol, and he gets funny looks every time he lights a cigar. (laughs) That's quite funny, isn't it? Hello, it's you, Agent. Nice to have you along. Just going to tell everybody, everyone about you, actually. I'm 49. That's a wise old, young age, I'd say. Um, and live with my partner in Surrey. When I was 14, I came down with a mystery virus. It's very tough. Developed severe MECFS, chronic fatigue, uh, and was left mostly housebound. Despite some better periods of health along the way, I never recovered. I started writing as a teenager, a lot of people do, uh, using the power of words to transport me to other worlds. Yes, that's what it does. I spent 15 years on my first novel before losing confidence in the project and giving up. I was just talking about that the other day. You shouldn't spend 15 years on your first novel or any novel, unless you're Proust, perhaps. Um, thing is, you know, have, have, have a lot of ideas going, you know, just have an idea, write it down, have another idea, write it down, and then you just rotate your work between them. 15 years, uh, I, I can see why, I've seen it happen before. People just obsess, 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 and ever-diminishing circles, so... It's a mistake, don't do that. Um, I ran a writer's group during, during Good Spell of Health, volunteered for Bernardo's and wrote short stories to hone my craft. Very good idea. Short stories will do that. So will poetry. When I was ready, I tried again. Electropop took me three years to write, and this time I didn't give up. Well, that's an inspiring story all by itself, actually. Uh, even more inspiring will be this reading from Beverly. The Electropop Appreciation Society by Adrian Bagley, read by Beth. Chapter 1. Frank Kincaid was not a happy man. He wasn't even Frank Kincaid, at least not the original. It started like this. You want something done right, do it yourself. Don't have the time, copy yourself into a new body and send it instead. 
Expensive, certainly, but if the job was important enough, the payoff sufficiently high, you'd be crazy to send anyone else. But what if the job was unpleasant? What if it was something you didn't want to do? Well, that was easy too. You adjust the copy, tweak it a little so it won't mind getting its hands dirty, or if it does, it'll be stubborn enough to do it anyway. And then, assuming you're a decent human being, you meet up afterwards, buy yourself a few beers, pat yourself on the back and reintegrate. Assuming, of course, if you're not a decent human being, you take the money and run, saves having to fill your head with all those unsettling memories. Then your copy would find itself stranded somewhere, say, a seedy bar in the low-rent part of a half-finished habitat dome on Mars, with no money, the wrong body, a head full of edited memories and personality algorithms, and exactly one certainty to cling to, that the real them, whoever they were, whatever their actual name might be, was an absolute first-class, no-holds-barred, unrelenting bastard. As mental life rafts went, that one was pretty tiny. But Kincaid embraced it with a tenacity that must have cost his original self a fortune in psychosurgery bills to acquire. He glared at the barman defiantly and ordered a whiskey. The man was a good foot and a half taller than he was, but then so was most of the room. There are places on Mars where people don't ask questions when a paying customer places an order. Kincaid had hoped this particular dive, with its grimy windows and antique signage, its grimy floors and antique patrons, might be one of them. He was aware of being stared at, and wondered if he'd misjudged the situation. There was an air of baked-in malice about the place, the sort of crustiness acquired when petty larceny was allowed to ripen, mature into full-blown lawlessness, and then fester like a wheel of gorgonzola left too long in the sun. He felt like a racehorse that had wandered into a dog food factory and asked if there was anything to eat. The barman peered down at him and laughed. Nice try, kid. Orange juice or lemonade? Kid, like Kincaid's current body, that one was never going to get old. He sighed and brought up his bank account, proffering a shiny virtual Y2000 note. As bribes went, it wasn't much, but he was low on funds. How about a coffee and maybe you could Irish it up for me and throw in a packet of peanuts, would you? I'm starving. The barman shook his head in disgust, but took the money anyway. He poured something oily into a cup, added a splash of what could be described as authentic Highland whiskey, provided you weren't fussy about which planet the Highland in question was situated on, and placed it in front of Kincaid alongside a packet of synthetic protein grow peanuts. Kincaid took his supplies and retreated to a quiet table in the corner, dodging beer-carrying servitor drones and the 3V wrestling match suplexing its way across the middle of the room. For the love of God, kid, read the sign. No smoking. Kincaid glanced guiltily at the cigar poised halfway to his mouth and returned it, unlit, to his top pocket. That was another thing. Would it have been too much to ask to give himself a more age-appropriate set of habits to go with the new body? Say, 
a keen interest in football, sucking his thumb and fizzy drinks from around the solar system, as opposed to booze, tobacco and womanising, the latter being particularly problematic. There was an old joke that went, I wouldn't touch any woman who'd be interested in the likes of me. <sighs> Welcome to self-loathing. Population one. Thank you, Bev. Great reading. Need more readings from Bev? Absolutely. Um, no, a bit of malarkey going on in the vote just then. I don't know if anyone saw that, but we got hundreds across the board right at the beginning. Ah, oh, that's gone. That's zeroed out. I can, I can see weird stuff happening when it doesn't happen. I just, I just zero it out. So don't try that, whoever uh, does do it, because you're actually going to hurt the um, the the submission you're voting on. Because I will see it and I will just eliminate it completely so it's actually like a minus vote so don't do that please um it doesn't help at all let's see what the genii is saying claire says love the title blurb confusing matt says nice blurb title's really long um slight edit need of the blurb and i think the first line should be the last line of the blurb says david david mcguire thomas says reminds me of altered carbon brilliant series carol says kincaid's good name for this character i've been at the uh, blurb um uh, might might be on the right side of bonkers to appeal. Uh, title's growing on me, <coughs> says Sarah. Uh, more I think about it, and Dave McGuire says, this sounds like fun. I love the title. Doesn't seem to match the blurb. Eva says, captured by the last two sentences of the blurb. Right, well, if you've got Eva on your side, that's something. Johnny says, I love the title here. I definitely pick the book up. Good, that's what we want. Right, so we want titles to do. Uh, what are the stakes in the blurb, says Ellie Thompson, moving on to the blurb. Now, Carol says, blurb sparked surprise, made me laugh out loud. Uh, James says, James Charles says, like the title, blurb not clear, but a hint of comedy. Um, Hannah says, I'm intrigued by the blurb. And Jan says, I like the title and the blurb. Um... Pamela Joe, I would tune down the cows just a bit. Uh, let the reader breathe before you hit them with an axiotic image. And China Jules says, trim the blurb, title seems mm, obscure. Great opening sentences, says Claire and Dave McGuire says, please be good, please be good, please be good. So he's absolutely on your on your side there. Fine opening, says Johnny. And great hook of an opening line, says Hannah. Wow, Will. Yeah, uh, somebody said it, um, Altered Carbon, Richard K. Morgan's uh, classic sci-fi thriller, very uh, reminiscent of that. I can't remember how that starts, but I would certainly, if I were the writer of this, I would take a look at it. Um, having said which, I thought, it, you know, uh, it's um, it's taking, a, a, the character is, is drawing me in. Um, I sort of get his situation straight away. I can see he's in a bit of jeopardy. He's got no money. I would like that to be. I would like. I would like a twist on the lens. I'd like the focus to go harder on it. I just like more of it. Just harder for him. Uh, put him in. Put him under more stress. M make it. Make us. Make us feel what he. What he's up against. Yeah. What are his challenges? Yeah. yeah. What does he need to do right now? Okay. Yeah. Um, I also agree with somebody who said the title is. Is okay. Is you know is, is intriguing, and it might pick it up in a bookstore, but it doesn't seem to fit the or the you know the changing the changing skins narrative, the changing body narrative, particularly well. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. That's my first thoughts on it. Thank you very much. Um, let's go to Andy, please. 
I absolutely bloody love this. Oh, wow. I Look at this that. Fun. This, this like pushed all my buttons up to a hundred and you made me think as well. Like, so ba at first I thought, yeah, the Electropop Appreciation Society, I kind of like that as a title, but as a sci-fi title, mm. I'm not sure. And then you started your blurb where you said robots, gangsters, tentacles, things just got weird. And I was like, oh, did they really? Because robots, gangsters, tentacles sort of been done before in it. But then you gave me a cop trapped in the body of a child mm. and it all came together for me and i thought this is <laughs> guardians of the galaxy isn't it this is guardians of the galaxy electropop appreciation say yes i get it if that's this works in the pros that'd be fab and the, you had a great opening first line your second part really took the time to explain your first sentence really really nicely i was so impressed and then you went to a low, a low habitat bar on Mars. So immediately, I'm thinking this is Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of my <laughs> favourite films of all time. And then it made sense that you've called your that main character Kincaid because Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is Kincaid in Total Recall. That's how many times I've watched it. So if that's true, uh, I love it all the more. And it was funny. It had shades of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There was a bit where you, you said yes. grimy floors and antique patrons. And, and I would have just shortened that to just those two. It was so good. I, all I could find was a technical fault like that in it. That, that I just, like, rather than the two repetitions, just give me the, the first and the last gag. Just, yeah. just to make it that bit quicker wow. and that bit more economical. Mm. But yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. Brilliant. Well, well, well done. Well, you pretty much speak for the uh, genius room, actually, Andy. Claire says, <clears throat> great voice, great world building. I would buy this. Uh, crucial uh, comment there. I always put my ears up when someone says that. Uh, Bernard said that. Um, Matt says, feels as if the author's holding back. Want to be weird? Go all in. Uh, how weird is it possible to get? Uh, Sarah says, there's a grittiness to this that I'm really liking. <clears throat> Vagabond says, Adrian, I actually love reading this. Our narrator, of course. Uh, but there were some tricky lines to say. And yes, as Matt says, ramp up the weird. Um, L.A. Thomas says, I enjoyed that. I would definitely read on. Hannah says, eek, child's body clone womanizing. Dangerous territory. Um, Pamela just said, I agree about the title. Didn't like it at first, but growing on me like a clone in a tank. And Chandler Jewell says, how old is main character? Uh, or the copy. Some good phrases. Would read more. Uh, and David McGuire echoes exactly or possibly uh, predicts what uh, Andy says. Um, Total Recall uh, meets Umbrella Academy meets Douglas Adams. Yeah, shades of all those. Um, and... Matt says, <laughs> uh, Matt's uh, reviewing you, Will, again, second time. Matt's never done that before in the whole history of pop-ups. Um, Matt says, Pete, you need to call Will a carpenter as he is nailing it again. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, a womanising Mars-dwelling child clone, such a tired old trope, says David. Oh, uh, and Hannah says, leave out the in the title. That'll make the letters bigger and a slightly shorter title without losing the impact. And Arbonnet says, Adrian, you should be totally proud of this writing. Fantastic. Well, I think you got the message there, actually, Adrian, haven't you? Thanks for all the great feedback you say. Let's look at your number, 74. That's uh, seriously good marks, actually, because I'd say we've got, what have we got today? We've got a realistic panel on today, I'd say. 
Realistic. I'm getting 74. There's no mean feet. Let's look at the scorecard. I think we know, don't we? Look at that. Don't often see that. Highest mark for title, highest mark for blurb, highest mark for craft. Biggest bang goes to you. Not the winner of each month now, we are taking quarterly winners actually as the ultimate winners. So there's a fair way to go yet, but you are absolutely up there with great chance. Um, let me just say to our two fair but but tough panellists today, thank you very much from the, the flesh pots of Brighton, Andy. No doubt you'll resume your whatever they do under Brighton. I, maybe I don't want to know. Do they still do things under Brighton Pier? Flesh potting, yeah, we flesh pot a lot. Flesh pot. <laughs> that's like it's like lobster <laughs> potting, except for flesh. That's what we're calling it nowadays. Is it? Is it really? <laughs> and from the the wise, the wise owl, or maybe the carp. Well, we should call you the carpenter, really. The carpenter mm. owl. To woo. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, guys. You were you were terrific. Uh, we had some terrific submissions, of course. I've got to say, actually, I think the genius room were really, really great today. Um, I don't want to end, but we've got to. I tell you what, though, we will see you same time next week. <laughs>